This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via our participating restaurants, 18 plus rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and time supply, see mcdonalds.com. Bristol City podcast. It is a special episode. It's because it's a bit like it's not quite like announcing a new pope, but we have got a new head coach, and that man is uh, Liam Manning. Uh, I'm delighted joining me live in the studio are four people that are regular contributors. Uh, three of us have never played the game at all to any degree. That's Mark and Neil and Ian. But delighted to have media pundit, even appears on Robin's TV, and former player. Chris Honor. Um, Chris, um, you're welcome to stay in for the duration. We're going to try and keep this relatively short, no more than, say, 40 minutes. But if you want to leave, <laughs> we've got to leave, just put your thumb up and we'll, we'll let you go and have your tea. Um, I'll come to each of you. My initial reaction was excited, yes. A brave appointment by the hierarchy, to give them that name, certainly. I'll come to you first, uh, Chris. Um what are your thoughts? They seem as though they've moved fairly quickly because he was only told about it yesterday. Really? Over to you. You first, Chris. Yeah, I don't believe that. I mean, obviously, he said over the weekend that there was there was no um, communications. Uh, I'm sure his agent would have uh, been speaking to the Lansdowns for quite a few days. Um, yeah, my opinion is probably like a... It's a bit mixed, isn't it? It's nice to know we've got someone in place quickly. Um I'm, I'm still ever so concerned that it was a little bit of a rash decision. Um, and the proof is in the eating. I I'm, I'm, I'm feel a little bit concerned and still feel a little bit sick about the whole, the whole thing. But, um, yeah, that's a, a personal opinion probably shared by a, probably about 60% of the fan base. Um, and I don't know how everyone else feels on, um, out there. It'd be interesting to hear. Okay. Well, that's cool. Uh, Neil, I'll come to you next. Uh, you were... Uh... What's happening me like mad over the weekend? And I was thinking we were going to be Frank Lampard's Bristol City, but uh, that wasn't to be. And I think he thinks are we we're all a bit stupid to think that nothing happened until yesterday. What do you think, Neil? Yeah, I think that's a little bit ridiculous, isn't it? These things don't don't get done in a day. At the end of the day, 
So he he would have he would have uh, his representatives would have been talking, and then of course it's gone back to the board and the board have released the Oxford board have released that they've had talks. So you're like, if it only happened yesterday, then your representatives, you and the club, have all had these talks in the last 24 hours. I think the reality is it's been brewing for three or four days. I would imagine. Yeah. But I still stick with my Frank Lampard was at the HPC, David. I'm doubling down on that. I am not going to give up on that. But, um, yeah, you can have talks with players and you can have talks with managers and they don't always go ending signings or ending appointments. It, it doesn't mean that you can't have informal talks. Okay. So, Neil, so, sorry, Neil, did you think that Frank Lampard was interested or was he, was he a serious contender or was this just rumour? Well, not normally, Chris, I, I would take these things with a pinch of salt. But I had five separate people. I spoke to Dave about it. And I had five separate people who don't know each other that said he was at the HPC. Now, that's just informal talks. It makes sense if he was in Bath and, and such like that he's come down. They He sounds out, us out as much as us sounding that out whether it's a possibility. And it might, and it might but, not have worked. It was an interview process, wasn't it? Ian, I mean, you've you've been, all the correspondents we've had on this, you've been pretty positive about him. I mean, look, he's every manager other than Alex Ferguson, who, if any manager that comes to this club, is going to have a track record of failure somewhere along the line. Nigel Pearson did that after leaving Leicester, failure all the way down the line until he kept, well, to a degree. But this guy... He's not got a track record of failure. And as being a number one, he's got a track record of success. You know, he got MK to the playoffs, kept Oxford up, and they're riding high. But let's have your thoughts on him. I, I put a profile together, as you know, Dave, on X, I think it's, it's now called, um, on Liam Manning. And I was impressed. I was impressed with him today. I just finished listening to the press conference, and he's very articulate unlike some of the people that were interviewing him. I mean, these guys are supposed to be professional journalists. And I said, if I hear kind of, sort of, light, you know, once more, I'm going to put my foot through the screen. It would, I, I wouldn't have been able to see you at all then, would I? So that, and so that, but he was far more articulate. He talked about what he wanted to do, not just what he wanted to do, how he wanted to do it. And the Lansdowne's, outlined what they wanted how they wanted the club to play and that was identical to a statement that nigel pearson made a couple of seasons ago how do you want to play attacking front foot football now unfortunately we couldn't do it on enough occasions to make it count and i haven't been watching attacking i press front foot football all the time i've been watching especially the last you know the two home weeks we actually played better against ipswich than we did against uh, Coventry or Sheffield Wednesday, and it was turgid. Okay. We almost got we almost got beat by ten men. Uh, Sheffield Wednesday. By the way, I don't know if you've heard, but Barry oh, yeah. Ballance we'll red, we'll red cards being rescinded. But yeah. so so I'm looking forward to seeing the change. And if you want change, you have change. And this guy's the absolute antithesis of Nigel Pearson. He is. So, no. He's absolutely. I mean, so he people are right, saying, "Well, looks... they don't make a decision. They didn't plan anything. Yeah. They didn't do this." And within eight or nine days, we've got somebody, John Lansdowne, described as one of the best young English coaches in England. Now, paper, whether he it, whether he is or whether he isn't, I 
I couldn't tell you, but he looks okay. And and uh, Hogg, the lad he's brought with him, is an ex-Hibs centre half that Chris might have come across when he was up in Scotland. Um, and he was there for five or six years, played 140 well, odd I, games. I want to talk about the other person. So I say, I say, give the give the bloke a uh, give the bloke a try, and let's see what you can do. Okay, all right, Mark, your say on it. Um, you know, we were thinking, you know, maybe it was going to go to a foreign coach. You know, they've had a week. You don't know how many interviews. I think somebody asked the question, "How many people have you interviewed?" It's not been a six-week process. I would suggest that it's been rigorous. Oh, sorry, I would suggest it's been vigorous rather than rigorous in the sense that the whole deal's been done inside five working days, although these things probably get sorted over a seven-day period. But how are you feeling uh, looking forward now and first game in charge at QPR against a manager who will be making his home debut? Yeah, I'm very excited. I think it's an incredibly bold move by City. Um, for a very young, ambitious manager who, uh, you know, really wants to go far in the game. As we discussed before we went live, he's been managing for it. He's been coaching for 18 years because he didn't win a professional contract with Ipswich Town when he was 2021, but that didn't stop him. He learned his trade as a coach. He's a great man manager. He knows how to mould players at all, all all ages and integrate them into a system that he's very comfortable with. Fast attacking front foot football. No manager, no appointment guarantees success. But from what I've seen and uh, where he's been, he's got no baggage, but he's got great ethics and, you know, he live and lives and breathes coaching. You can tell it listening to him. He's bright, intelligent, talks very well. That's great. You know, and the fans need to get behind him. Like I said, it's not guaranteed, but you'll know that the way his side play with Oxford United, pulling away from the foot of the division right at the end of last season, and he's turned them into promotion contenders, nearly got to the playoff final of MK Dons, and lucky uh, to lose uh, over two legs against Wickham. That is a man who wants to go places, and he believes that Bristol City can help him do that, and let's hope he can take the club up to the Premier League. Let's, well, uh, you know, let's give him our backing. That's Looking forward to it. That's what I mean. Benny on here, he said he's very Eddie, Eddie Howe like. I go so far as to say, are you ever going to see him and Eddie Howe in the same room? Because, you know, he looks like Eddie Howe. He even sounds like Eddie Howe. Um, Chris, you, you played under <coughs> Joe Jordan, and prior to that, you were there with Terry Cooper. Both of those men, when they walk into the dressing room, yeah. You look, Terry Cooper, member of the lead side, Joe Jordan, three World Cups, played for Man United and AC Milan and Leeds. How are the senior pros going to view somebody like Liam Manning coming in, who's a who's a textbook manager? He seems a really nice, articulate guy, as everybody alluded to. But how are the likes of, I don't know, Matty James going to feel, you know, when he walks in and he's trying to put forward how he wants to play? Well, that's the hardest bit, isn't it? Because sometimes the players know more than the managers or feel they do. Um, there is a certain amount of respect when certain high-profile names, managers, the Frank Lampards of this world walk into a dressing room, they have that instant respect of, the, uh, of, of all the players for what they've done. I mean, Joe had that, Terry had that. I had a manager up in Scotland who was exactly the same. Um, players are a, a, a weird kind of... <sighs> 
they've got a weird makeup. They've, they're obviously very, very arrogant in the sense that they need, they need to be relatively confident to stand out there and play in front of 20, 30,000 each week. Um, and if a manager shows any weakness, they, they, they certainly seize on it. And, and for me, that was why I was so happy about what Nigel Pearson achieved. I think he walked into a club that had become a holiday camp and he, he returned a work ethic and um, a determination that we hadn't seen for several years. I just hope um, Liam Manning um, has that respect from the guys. It'd be very interesting to see how he starts off. If he tries to make too many changes too quickly, um, uh, it'd be interesting to see how the senior players uh, react. But I would imagine, from what I know of some of the senior players at the club, they're, they're quite nice guys, and Nigel Pearson um, surrounds himself with people with good work ethic, and I wouldn't imagine they're professional players at the end of the day, and they do the right thing, I'm sure, from the start. Neil, some of the players, you know, who come into the club in the last 12 months, well, notably the two that were bought in January, I mean, Mametti and uh, Cornick in particular, you know, they, I think Cornick started to show that he's maybe not such a bad signing, but do you think there, there are any players in the squad that will feel they've got a fresh chance and that there will be a change in style of play? And how quickly do you think we'll notice that change of style on the pitch? Well, no, normally when you're talking about quite a large squad, there's always players that are missing out that aren't getting the opportunities. And a change of manager often means new opportunities for them. We've had such a small squad and realistically, the amount of injuries that we've had that everybody, you know, other than perhaps Mometi and Cornick, those are the two that sort of stand out. And I, I didn't know, I, I picked up a, a little bit more positive body language from Mometi on uh, the game at the weekend mm -hmm. uh, in regards just what going back to what he did well, you know, that debut up at Sunderland, taking players on, having a bit more confidence in his ability. He was fantastic. He was fantastic that day. And I, yeah. I, I thought he was going to be asked to make a replacement. And it looked as yeah, if... Yeah, well, I went up to Sunderland. That was a long old journey to see us get off, finally get a penalty. And, um, you know, he, he was really unlucky in that first half. He hit the post. Fantastic save by Patterson. Uh, onto the post and he was he he kind of the fitness levels between league one and championship you can tell a player going from league one up to championship takes a little while to get accustomed yeah. to the speed the pace and the energy of the championship because it's a whole different ball game really no, it is. And, and he's gonna and Liam Manning's gonna find that as well I mean somebody said on here that his success uh uh, MK was that down to the work that Russell Martin did? I don't know. Well, we've Ian. seen, we've seen, we've seen. Last time we um, we've seen Ryan Man uh, Liam Manning this season, haven't we? Yeah, I mean, the we first half the, hour again. We, we beat the first twenty minutes, the first twenty minutes, they played us off the park in that they league up game. A five-one scoreline flattered us based on the opening half hour of that game. Ian, you alluded to the fact that they signed Chris Hogg, who. Yes, he played 125 games for Hibs. I checked that out on Wikipedia too. I'd never really heard of him. But there's another player who is in his backroom staff there at Oxford at the moment, Craig Short. And if you look at his track record, 500-odd games, look at the teams that he's played at, it would be really great if we could get somebody like him because when Joe was there at Ashton Gate as manager, he had Jimmy Lumsden, who was about 15 years older than 
I you know Jimmy, no, maybe not 15, but you know, you've got that good cop, bad cop. So do you think it's a risk him relying on Chris Hogg, or do you think, as he said in the press conference, that you know the playing staff or sort of the, the, the backroom staff, there might be more changes because somebody asked him about what's happening as a replacement for Rennie. So do you think he might bring somebody like Chris Short? And do you think that would be an important acquisition to get in the back room? In a word, no. Um, he's known Hogg since his Ipswich days uh, because Hogg only left Ipswich because they had financial problems to go up to Scotland. Um, he's obviously comfortable with him and that's the way it works in football. You employ your mates, don't you? Um, I, I think just saw chris's message it's all right um yeah oh it's come up about sorry to interrupt it came up on the private chat and chris has just said jimmy will be fuming they are the same age yeah sorry jimmy same age it's jimmy's jimmy lumsden's mm. birthday it, it's today because it came up on former players association feed on x sorry so, you so no on. going 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 back to the point um i don't think it make any difference they were talking about craig short being on the <laughs> short list for Oxford's uh, to replace him at Oxford. So so that could happen. Uh, Oxford say they've got a list of people that they keep, same as we do now. It transpires we keep a, a, a list of coaches and potential managers if anyone was to leave. And for example, they might have started putting that together last year when Nigel was ill. And uh, just in case the worst happened, please God it didn't. And please God he, he recovers from what's wrong with him now. Um, if I'd have said to some City fans, if we'd have gone out and, and he, say, Nigel Pearson, when everybody, a lot of people were screaming for his head when we lost to West Brom on Boxing Day, right, the, the board have decided he's going. They're bringing in this bloke called Roberto De Zerbe. Well, we don't want him. Who's, what's he, who's have you played for? What's he? Well, is he Spain, Spanish bloke? You wouldn't mind him, would you? And I'm not suggesting that Liam Manning is the same, but you've got to start somewhere. And if you want to change, make a change in yeah. terms of what he was like as a player in mean, Bobby Charlton and Alan Ball World Cup winners fantastic players couldn't manage their way out of a paper bag no so you you can you know it if if you can coach our side when I looked at Ipswich when we played them one thing I'll say about Ipswich is they looked a side that had been coached mm. they looked a side that that had great movement um getting the people, um, get people on the ball, get people in little pockets around the field. And when they attack, it looked like everybody knew what was happening. Whereas that, I haven't seen us play like that much. And um, I, I, I'm, I'm sorry, but I, I mean, the this Liam Hoog thing is, is tiresome. I mean, that's what our, a lot of people said about Arsene Wenger when he went to yeah. Arsenal. Yeah. Okay, let, me get, let, me get, let me get Mark to have a say. Mark, Liam who? Yeah, yes, I'll, yeah I'll, um, I just remembered a great... Mark, yeah, as you pointed out to me, Mark, Liam has had 90-odd games, I don't know, maybe not quite that many, in the number one role. And McKenna, he's more experienced than McKenna. I think that's what you said to me before, because McKenna, this is his first season. Yeah, I remember Enrico Sacchi, the uh, famous Italian manager, said, I never realised that to be a jockey, you had to be a horse first when asked who he managed. Because he was never a, he was never a player. I think he played at a very basic level, worked in his dad's 
coach uh, cobblers, I think, and uh, and built his way up. He just built his way up from coaching. So yeah, he's got more experience than McKenna. And it's which fans might have sniffily thought, and lots of fans are sniffy about managers. Who's that? Never heard of him. You need to drill drill down a bit and take a look at what they've done. Listen to them. Talk to some other fans. I know it's not that easy, but you just need to do a little bit of research. That's what the internet's for. Just find out about these people. And what he's done is very refreshing. He's, uh, you know, he's learned his trade from the bottom up. He's gone to uh, New York, uh, worked as, their, as uh, their, uh, their director of football, took a step back from what I understand, uh, and then came back, worked for West Ham under 23s, helped to progress the uh, likes of Declan Rice and Connor uh, Coventry, who's gone to FC Augsburg, been there the last four seasons, spent a little while at West Ham, broke into the squad when he was, you know, in 16, 17, and then moved on to, uh, to Lommel. Uh, in Belgium, got them promoted from the Belgium second division with a huge churn of players, and then uh, went on to uh, to MK Dons, picked up from Russell Martin. But that is one of the hardest jobs. If you follow a successful manager, you inherit their squad. It is you know like trying to carry a Ming vase across a slippery floor. It is every you know you every, you you inherit such a good team. It's not that easy to be able to convert that. It's just not that easy. So he's done that, and he's gone to Oxford. He got sacked and unluckily by uh, MK Dons after losing the likes of Twine. Scott Twine left. I think he went to Burnley. Then he lost the likes of Harry Darling, big centre back, who also went to Swansea, and and I think the goalkeeper went as well. So he was a bit hamstrung by that and got the sack. Went to Oxford and and he's on the up again. So he's gradually uh, progressed, and like I said before, coached for eighteen years, a real student of the game who lives and breathes it. We're going to get somebody who's a workaholic and who at 38, God, that makes me feel old. You know, when you thought of a football manager when you were a kid, it was somebody in a, you know, in a suit and tie with grey in hair, probably less of it because they, uh, because of the stress levels. And now we're, we're appointing 38-year-olds. And remember Sheffield Wednesday's manager, whose name they never stopped singing throughout the game on Saturday, is 34. Yeah. So, you know, this is the, this is, this is the, new, uh, the new thing. Embrace it. Chris, yeah, embrace um, the new, I'd say. Chris, the departure today, Curtis Fleming, I mean, he was, you know, he he handled himself well throughout last week, uh, very professional, got 100% track record as manager. Somebody said on here, have we made a mistake letting Curtis go? But, you know, it, it, it's a difficult one, isn't it? You know, with, with Curtis, he, he took the side, he could have just told him to stuff it, couldn't he? Yes. Yeah, but that's not the professional thing to do, is it? And if you want to get your your, your payout, or I'm sure until you've negotiated your payout or the remainder of your contract, you're there, to, you're an employee of the club and you don't walk out until you're asked to leave. So um, that is pretty much what he had to do. He had to do the right thing by a club that pays his wages. And I, you know, it's, it's hard being a, te- a caretaker role because you know your, your job is so, it's so short but you've just got to hold the fort for that very short period of time, take some experience from it um, and give it your best shot. But it's interesting hearing Mark talk about Liam Manning because um, I've become slightly more positive over the last 28 28 minutes with this new appointment. Um, I didn't know half those things about him. Um, And if he is a a student of the game, like you said, then let's give him a chance. Um, 
I'm still, I'm still trying, I'm still reeling a little bit myself from um, the disappointment of, you know, losing Pearson. I mean, I wasn't one of the, um, I know there's a few, few people who didn't like his appointment at the start. Um, as, as fans do, they, you know, everyone's got their own opinions on everything. Um, but yeah, we've got to give him a chance and let him see how he gets on. Well, and he's got a relatively, there's no easy games in this division, as we know, and it starts at uh, Loftus Road, and it's probably not even called that anymore, at, at the weekend. Uh, Nick, Neil, um, you, you, you changed the manager. We've talked about the change in style. The inference from the chairman, from John, is that, you know, we're, we're a top 10, we talked about this on the weekend podcast, we're a top 10 budget we've got a top 10 budget and you know is he what does success look like for the remainder of this season for Liam Manning has he got to not drop below where we are at the moment because if he does I mean you know we're in the, we're in the top 10 final whistle on Saturday we dropped out because of a later result but what is success for Liam Manning this season and is the board are the board expecting the playoffs. Well, he, he was quite marked, wasn't he? Landstone, John was asked that in the press conference, the part that I caught, you know, what are your hopes, expectations? You spoke about playoffs. You spoke about promotion. You were straight away putting pressure on your new manager to achieve this or else he's sort of out. I, I think the three-year plan, as long as they can see sort of development, I think this year stay w roughly where we are and then we push next season. You've got to allow a manager a certain amount of time to get the team playing the way that he wants them to play and to bring the personnel in. He wants to do it. So I think this season it could go one of two ways for me. Um, you know, I just drew the parallel on ours. Russell Martin, when he went in at Swansea, and he had a way of playing with MK Dons, took it at Swansea, tried to get those players to play that way, and it was catastrophic at times wasn't it the yeah. way they were playing out from the back they were giving so many goals away and it you know it took them a long time and then they went through a good period and then they went through ultimately he left Swansea and got the gig at Southampton and Swansea haven't really improved as a club from when he took over yeah you know they're and, he's still still at, and he's still at Southampton isn't he yeah well look if he's still at Southampton, and and Southampton have picked up a lot, and we get first-hand experience of this, in uh, yeah, I, th I in think I think there's a there's a parallel though with Manning. You know, we we are a stepping stone for Liam Manning. I'm sure we are. Well, that's okay. a good point. That's a and, good point. And he and he's come in, and if he improves us, if everybody starts talking about Bristol City, or oh, I love the way Bristol City are playing, and all the rest of it, will he get job offers? <laughs> He might, he might not stay out the contract. So and that was one of the questions that I was thinking to myself, that allegedly he had a buyout clause within his contract at Oxford. And are we a stepping stone for Liam Manning? Just like just like if we'd have taken on Frank Lampard, if it had been Lampard, that would have been a rehabilitation as much as a, a rehabilitation appointment for him and as much as a vanity appointment for the board. Ian, you next. I mean, what's success look like in your eyes for the remainder of this season now? You know, because Pearson was, was clearly there was a breakdown in a relationship, but we were in the top 10, four points off the playoffs with a transfer window to come. What, what say you for the balance of the season? 
I'm uh, I'm looking to do what the board want and get in the playoffs. Um, if, now, if you're saying to me, well, if you don't get in the playoffs, you're going to bin him. The answer to that's a categoric no. Yeah. All I want to see is this attacking front foot football that I'm going to keep banging on about because that's what I want to watch. I don't want to watch the stuff I've been watching. That's for sure. I'm bored to tears. Um, and I want to see who he brings in in January. Funds are available. We know that. I think the club have got the structure. Um, it's a workable structure. I think they've got it about right. So we're not bringing in a new CEO. We don't need one within the structure we've got. Liam Manning's going to report directly to the board, which for that read John Lansdowne and Gavin Marshall. So will Tom, the uh, uh, operations uh, director, football operations director, or COO. And so will Brian Tinian. Now, we've we've done a lot of good stuff around recruitment. Uh, the the subject of the physio came up in the um, in in the press conference, and that's clearly an area that where we've been suffering for the last three or four seasons. And I I, I can't I, I can't put a reason to it, but but we've been in at one point we had twenty one players injured uh, in the I'll call it the Holden Pearson. Uh, window. So for me, we know what the target is. Nigel Pearson knew exactly what the target was, and now we've got to execute. Yeah, and and that's the same. That's the Dave. That's the same in any business. You go into any business, no, absolutely right, and fail. You're going to get. You're going to get. Right. This thing about right. a stepping stone. Yeah. We. When was the last time a Bristol City manager left the club of their own volition? To go somewhere that they thought was better. The, the only one I could think of was Joe Jordan. That when was he Joe went Jordan to Scotland. back in 19, 1990, that was. Well, it? You've answered your own question now. Well, Johnson did it coming to us, didn't, really, didn't they? Didn't didn't Tony Pul didn't Tony Pulis leave us to go? Yeah. To, yeah. I just thought about yeah, that. You yeah, right. to go to Portsmouth. Right. Yeah, he got the job at Portsmouth. I'll come to you in a second, Mark. Chris, you just put your hand up there. Let's have a quick word from you, what you were going to say to Ian's comment, then I'll come to you next, Mark. I can't remember what I was going to say now, David. Jesus. No, I will move on. Oh, let's, let's, stick with, let's, stick with, let's stick with let's stick with Mark. Mark, if there are funds available, we I was totting up. I think it was with with Ian or it might have been you, Neil. Today, thirty five million came in. It's not coming. It gets paid in instalments, just like when we buy people. But we spent about six six million. If you look at include Cornick and uh, and Mimetti in there. If um, come January, the the purse strings are uh, slackened. Yeah, what what sort of money do you think, and can that make the difference between pushing for playoffs and actually getting getting in the playoffs? Yeah. So what what you know, and he's not had that sort of money to spend before Liam Manning, has he? So we're really reliant on we're really reliant on Brian and the scouting network and everything like that, and it's a bit of a slap in the face or just evidence that. They didn't really want Pearson around any longer. We, we we could talk till the cows come home about how it could have been handled better. But, you know, what are your hopes for the transfer window now? Do you think Tinian's saying, these are the players we're getting? And he's probably going to say, OK, then. Well, you think that um, any caveat or the, any prospective any prospective manager would, would say, I, I'm 
you know, I need money to make that to make that leap. You, I need money available in January because there are only two windows. So the only opportunity he's got to uh, to trade is in January. They will, they will make money available. But of course, then it's a difficulty of recruiting the right players. He prefers a 3-4-3 or a 3-4-1-2. Now you think with our present uh, availability, that won't be possible. Um, he's probably got three fit centre-backs uh, or not specialist centre-backs, Naismith, Pring and Viner. Uh, and then he could, you know, Atkinson maybe a few weeks away, but that's it. Um, so does he have the personnel to play that formation? But then it's going to come down to availability, whether they'll loosen the purse strings and uh, on on the actual on the budget as well. So it's identifying the play the players. I think we need a centre back, another centre back, a creative midfield player, and a goal scorer. Uh, so I'd say three players minimum to boost the squad in January, and I'm sure. Uh, based on this newfound, uh, on on this newfound zest that they obviously are actively looking for looking for players now, but how long's a piece of string and who's available? We just don't know. Don't. And because there's been that, uh, there, there's there, there's been 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 that push to say, look, we, we're we're not spending any any money. It'd be interesting to see who they would bring in, but it's going to be players again, like you said, he's used to to, to working on a much smaller budget, so. And it doesn't necessarily bring, you know, bring uh, rich rewards either, does it? Spending lots of money. So you just don't know. It's a great unknown. OK, Chris, you made a couple of comments on the private chat there. I mean, do you think he might go back to his Oxford team and try and lift a couple of players out of their squad? Because that, that could be interesting. And more importantly, Nigel didn't use it. The loan market, what do you think is going to happen uh, in the next uh, window? Well, a lot, of, a lot of us remember the Cottrell team that got promoted that season and we had Freeman, Ayling, um, and Corey Smiths, Brown Hills. There's no doubt that if you've got a good team that gets promoted from the league below, they can certainly do a job in the championship as Luton and Ipswich have just pro, uh, proven over the last couple of seasons. So if he knows that league well enough, why doesn't he go and poach the best players possibly in the window? It's the type of deal that I'm sure the Lansdowne's um, are favourable with because you can possibly pick them up for a little bit less than established players in the Championship um, and then hopefully sell at a profit. Um, so I would imagine he will use his contacts in the league below definitely to bring some players in the window. Uh, my biggest con concern would be how much he's going to be allowed um, and how much he's going to be given in the window. Um, and whether that was a contentious issue with Nigel Pearson um, and one of the reasons why he left um, in the last few weeks, because any manager who wants to come in wants to know their, their profile and their ambitions are satisfied by any club they're going to join. And hopefully the Lansdowns have promised him some money to spend in the, in the, in the window in January. OK, uh, I'll come to you next, Neil. But Ian, you just put your hand up there for a quick question. You wanted to add to something Chris said? No, I'm just putting my thumb up to what Chris was saying. Yeah, that, that's... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that's the man. The, yeah, I should I should do it that way round, shouldn't I? But I, I hang on, wait a minute. I there we are. I don't get many of those. I'll take that all day long. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Think, no, he's he, he, exactly right what he was saying. But I'm I'm sure that that money will be made available for him to bring in players. But loans are a very good way of doing that. And don't forget, 
the guy ha will have contacts at West Ham, for example, where he can go and get a really sharp, creative midfield player that Mark was talking about, or possibly a striker. And if you're looking at a, him playing three at the back, him playing three five two or three four three, I've just penciled down a team here that I think is a pretty good team. And people are telling me we can't play three at the back. Well, with everybody fit, we can. But only, only trouble is that's why I alluded to the injuries because if we can't get people fit, it, it don't matter who the manager is, to be honest. Okay, I'll come back to you in a second. And Neil, uh, somebody said here, uh, Ben has said, will be odd if the other two conditioning coaches stay. They must take some responsibility if Rennie does, uh, as they've been there, as much responsibility as Rennie because they've been there as a constant. I mean, do you, do you think, you know, Rennie was Nigel's long-standing, they had a long-standing relationship and, you know, he knew his man. And as Ian said on numerous occasions, you know, the injuries issues have been around the club for many years now. Do you think that there should be wholesale changes in the backroom staff? And somebody else had also thrown in a consistent, and I don't think we've been great, there's a guy there called Pat Mountain who's been there. This will be his fourth, maybe his fifth manager. And he was the dead ball specialist as well as, I think, a goalkeeping coach as well. You know, we've, we've not been great from dead ball situations, have we? So do you think there's going to be more changes behind the scenes, Neil, as Liam Manning gets his feet under the table and builds that relationship with Brian Tinian? Yes, but I think it's quite marked that what they focused on and what he said in his press conference is working with young players and they've put this big thing about working with the academy. I don't think we're going to necessarily jettison that idea of not bringing players through from the academy in the under-21s and under-18s. And if you're buying in players, you're getting in loan players. Say we went out and we, we've missed Naki Wells last few weeks. You know, we've really missed him in the centre because Tommy up top by himself, that's not his position really. Ian's made the point before about he needs to play in a two. He was coming deeper second half um, and looked a lot better when he was coming deeper and getting the ball deeper rather than being that last man that you're hitting and getting bullied and physically and all the rest of it. Now, I don't... Looking at them last... At start of the season, they played 4-2-3-1 against us, Dave. Yeah. And the gate. They've got a few loan signings in. They brought Sonny Perkins in from Leeds. They brought Carl Edwards in from Ipswich. But they haven't done massive changes. He hasn't changed his personnel. He's got a lot of young players playing for him at Oxford, other than Billy Bowden, who we don't need to talk about being ex-Gasset. But the, um, the point is that I don't think necessarily there is going to be the massive changes that people talk about. And you watch um, John Lansdowne in interview and he's saying, well, very tough to do business in January and all the rest of it. Maybe there's only a couple coming in, low numbers rather than sort of a wholesale change of the personnel. I think in the summer, I think, you know, certain players, I think Matty James probably would have got a new contract under Pearson. I'm not quite so sure now. Um, Vyman, again. Joe Williams, another one. Andy King, another one. Then you're talking about four very senior players there, mm. perhaps leaving the club that perhaps might have got an offer from um, from Nigel there because Nigel trusted them to do a job. Yeah. So 
I don't I don't think there's going to be wholesale changes in, in January. I think it's very much like we're working on a structure. The structure is working with the academy, getting those players through all the rest of it, right. and building on that if we can build on it. Maybe January isn't the right time to do it. Yeah. Okay. But it depends where we are in a division, I think. If we're struggling, then we need to get some players in potentially to stay up or or do they go for it in a way in which we haven't done a well, they could, you know. I mean, you to, know, go to the playoffs, yeah. how many times have we been on the verge of the playoffs? And the time when we really needed to push on, the board were reticent, weren't they? Well, they're reticent to push on under this manager. Mark, uh, would, would you welcome uh, Premier League transfers coming in, or do you think it's just going to be a quiet period and you know, we'll we'll give it a go, and if it happens, it'll be through him, Liam Manning, quickly identifying a standard of play. And do you think we'll look at it next season as the, the testing time, you know, with even more efforts made in a summer transfer window when players are out of contract? There's even more scope in the summer. I think um, we'll, the, the, the board will be looking to make, to make a very strong finish, a much better second half of the season or second two-thirds of the season than the, than the first in terms of the playing style. Um, especially at home, where we won a paltry two games, three games out of eight. So that'd be the first thing, getting the fans entertained at home. I'm sure that he would have, you know, they, they, the club would have a, a database of players that they're looking at, and loans are good, good, are a good thing. So I think that they will identify players. Obviously, like I mentioned this before, and we bang on. There's a there is a wage limit, but he's a sort of man who because he's worked with younger players before and he's worked with uh, players from the Premier League, you know, you know, in League Two, League One, who were, League, League Two or who were, you know, at the start of their careers. I think that's a good, a good move for them. Um, the other thing um, is, yeah, I just think going back to what, you know, what it's, it's, it's going to be difficult. You know, with you know, bring it, bring it, bringing players in January, and what Neil said is, I I think maybe the Matty James or one of those senior players would you know would perhaps stay, because you, when you transition, you don't want to get rid of all of those people in the changing room, those those bodies. I mean, Matty James could be seen as a father figure. I think to some extent we got rid of Wade Elliott too too soon, or a player like that who would have made the transition easier to the Championship from League One, and we we suffered because of that. Yeah, so maybe it's that. good having him around for an extra year, while you know he helped the players the players come through, getting rid of all of the uh, all of all of the experienced players, albeit if they you know they are at the end of their Bristol City careers, might not be a good idea. Okay. I just want to ask Chris a quick question and then a couple of points with everybody just to wrap up because uh, we've all got we've, none of us had our tea yet. Uh, Chris, the chairman, commenting about the post-international, well, during the international break, 11-day breaks and referring to the players as being deconditioned when, you know, I think it was Curtis Fleming come, coming back in the media this week saying, or might even be fans saying, you know, we look at we looked a fit side. I thought Ipswich looked a yard quicker than us the other week anyway. But, you know, it, it, were, were there these concerns? And was the chairman right to use a term like decondition? They were looking for sticks to beat Nigel and his team with, weren't they? Instead of going about it in a different way. 
Yeah, that was great propaganda, wasn't it? After they, they knew they were under a little bit of pressure after that surprise sacking. Um, but of all the points they made, I thought that was one of them. I mean, I had heard rumours around the club that they'd had nine days off a couple of times. And um, I thought after one of the games, after their first game back, not this recent international break, but the one previous, I thought they looked shocking for the first 20 minutes. I, I thought they looked, they looked, the players were blowing. Um, and when I was told shortly after that they, they've had over a week off, I was, I was surprised. But, you know, let's, let's not forget that they are, they've all got GPS, they've all got Strava, they all have to report in their runs. Everything is seen. Um, they are given their training programs. So, you know, I don't know who's trying to pull the wool over whose eyes on that one. I would imagine... Um, there's more to it, but there was definitely something going on and uh, we'll never really know. We're not going to know. All right, um, guys, look, I think we're almost done. I just want to talk about one incident going back uh, to last Saturday, the Barry Bannon, uh, well, not penalty, um, a red card, trip outside the box. Ian, your, your thoughts on that. His, 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 the, the, the red card has been reversed. And when I think of some of the shitty situation City have been. I remember a game at Fulham a few years ago when Bailey Wright got sent off and then various other things. You know, we've I can't remember when we've had a red card rescinded, but is that right that Bannon's red card is rescinded? Your quick comments on that. Yeah, it's, it's been rescinded and, rescinded and he's available to play against Millwall this weekend. Uh, for what it's worth, I thought it was a penalty at the time. I still think it's a penalty because whilst the initial contact was outside the box, that didn't bring Knight down. Mm. The next contact, which was inside the box, did. So, and Knight wasn't able to get a shot in. Now, how many, there were, the goalkeeper was there, and I think from memory, Wednesday had a player on the line. Um, so, don't really care because the, the easiest way to, to see if he would have scored is for Bannon not to trip him up. So it was denying a clear goal scoring opportunity, although the people that review these things, uh, probably the PGMOL, um, who aren't exactly covering themselves with glory no. um, at the moment and, and the most popular people in the game, um, said that it wasn't a sending off. So, and, so I thought it was a sending off, clear sending off and a pen. Okay, fair enough. Neil, your thoughts on that incident now, having had a few days to think and hearing that Bannon's got away with it? <laughs> Well, I think I think for me, um, the ref's running directly behind him, can see exactly what he's doing, and he's nibbling at Knight, but he's not making a tackle. Then he sees that Knight is just about to run into the box, and that's where he trips him up. Not maliciously, but very cynical. Very cynical tackle in relation to just as he's about to go into the area, edge of the area, and before he can shoot. So... If I was the ref in that situation, I'd be saying that's malicious, that's cynical, and quite frankly, that's serious conduct. And a red card all day of the week. It doesn't matter that there's a defender in front or whatever or okay. or the goalkeeper or whatever like that. It's a, it's a red card, it's a red card. I can't see how they overrule it because surely it's if the ref says, this is my view, it's not like the tackle didn't happen or it was a coming together or it needed review. The cynical element of it is still the cynical element in the ref's eyes, isn't it? Yeah, I guess so. Mark, so if, if that ref did something at the weekend, he now in his mind he's like, 
now I'm trying to second guess myself and I don't quite get Well, it. they were talking on uh, TalkSport today about, you know, in fact, it was Postacoglu. Uh, I think I got that pronunciation right. This forensic analysis all the time, it's getting on a spiral of everything. What's your view, Mark? And then finally, your view, Chris. Mark, you first. If it was a clear goal scoring opportunity, I do not understand why it's been overturned. He was sent off. That should be the end of it. Why has it been overturned? Um, whether the contact was the first contact was outside the area. That's what the referees deemed it to be. So, uh, you know, were the game panned out, would we have found it more difficult against uh, against eleven men than ten? It didn't really seem to make it a difference to, to the way to the way they played. To be no. quite honest, so that would have been interesting. Um, so yeah, clear goal scoring opportunity. Do not understand why that has been overturned. Seems ridiculous. Okay, your view, Chris. You're the one who's played the game at the highest level. You probably had a nibble at an attacker's uh, ankles in days days gone by. Uh, what did you uh, What did you think? You've probably seen it a few times, as we all have on telly. Yeah, well, times have changed since I played for sure. But I would have sent him off during the coin toss because lever ball. He's certainly one of our better players, isn't he? You know, I would have had him off even before he started because, um, yeah, I, I mean, what, from where I was sat Saturday, I thought he was the best player on the pitch for the first 20 minutes. Um, and, and, you know, he was making them tick and making them a really difficult opponent. But I personally thought if you're going to play to the letter of the law, there was a, a defender behind the goalkeeper um, and that's why they've rescinded it. Um, and I tend to agree with the other three gents. Um, the ethics of the game, um, Arby should have been sent off because he stopped a, a clear goal-scoring opportunity. Um, but they've resorted to the letter of the law and they've rescinded it. And that's probably the right thing to do as well. Fantastic. All right. Well, look, um, we'll be doing our review of uh, <clears throat> QPR on uh, Saturday. Saturday tea time, I would imagine. Uh, Chris, are you going up to do that particular game for Robins TV or are you having a, a man of leisure this weekend? I, uh, I'll, I'll be watching it um, probably like you, gents. Right. So, you so, 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 so no foie gras, Nick's exit boxes, Chris, at all, you know? With, uh... I tell you what, I've got to be honest with you guys, I think QPR is one of the best away grounds to go and watch your team. It is such a fabulous atmosphere. It is. It's it so... remind, do you know what it reminds me of, Chris? It's when I was a kid, a Sabutio stadium. You know, you used to get those boxes and you put around the pitch. It's just symmetrical. So it's got to be one of the tightest grounds in the league, but it's just like a box, isn't it? It's well, a great I, little ground. I, I yeah. Remember, I was doing really narrow BBC commentary a couple of um, seasons ago up there, and you're you can't really see the touchline be, behind you. So, oh, sorry, a bit like a bit like Luton, yeah. So, I stood up the whole time, and we were under the cosh a little bit, and I think we had a little bit of a breakaway right in the last couple of minutes. And I forgot where I was, and I started jumping around as we scored the winning goal. And um, I did the Naki Wells goal. Naki Wells is going. I was sat amongst a load of QPR fans because we're, <laughs> we're not separate from the general no. public, and it was it was mental. It was mad, and I I, I very quickly sat down and realised where I was. Yeah. Well, look, we're 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 at the dawning of a new era. I think you know we're all sorry that Nigel went, you know, and I think you know we wish him well for the rest of his career because he will be back, no doubt about that, and uh, we hope he gets well soon, but. We're at the dawning of a new era. It's a yes, David, we've moved from the cult of knights to the Brotherhood of Manning. We have. Right. Just, just one thing, David. Just, I mean, it's funny because we're so resilient as fans, aren't we? We just yeah. move on. You know, we, we, yeah, of course we, we do. We're our club at the end of the day. And 
the manager changes, the players change, but whoever we go to watch the game with, whoever we sit next to, whether it's our parents, our grandparents, whatever, our best friends, the Saturday comes and we're still supporters and um, we'll all be there and we'll all be wishing the well, best. We hope that he gets, I mean, it's a great tie because he's got a chance to pick his first side this weekend against QPR. Then he's got a complete two-week run of instilling his brand of football. I really, really hope that we do, Ian's used the term, turgid. There's not too many games when we've walked out of Ashton Gate. I won't say for the last two years, it's been longer than that, where you've walked out with a spring in your step and you felt really happy and joyful. He seems a really nice bloke. You know, Tins and him, let's hope that they get on together. Uh, I'm sure they will. And, you know, you rest assured for his first game uh, at Ashton Gate against Middlesbrough, which is uh, on November the 25th, there's going to be uh, another big crowd. I mean, that's a good thing this season. The crowds have been holding up. Good away support. But 14,000 season ticket holders. There's about five, 6,000 people each week turning up, pay on the day, when they haven't been seen, served with much that's exciting. So I'm excited. I think it's brave, but I'm excited. Mark, Neil, Ian, Chris, thanks for your contribution. And uh, everybody who's been uh, watching us, this will be up on the podcast platforms uh, later on this evening. And uh, I'll edit the video again just to take out the uh, confused bit at the beginning. But everybody, thanks a lot for listening. Cheers. Good evening. I'm feeling happy today. Gonna put my cares in a whistle, blow them all away. What if I've been unlucky? Really, I ain't got a thing. There's a time I always feel happy, as happy as a king. When the red, red robin comes bob, bob, bobbing along, along. There'll be no more sobbing when he stops throbbing his old sweet song. Oh, wake up, wake up, you sleepyhead, get up. Get up, get out of bed, cheer up, cheer up, the sun is red, live, love, laugh and be happy, what if I've been blue, now I'm walking through fields of flowers, rain may glisten, but still I listen for hours and hours, I'm just a kid again, doing what I did again, singing a song, when red, red robins are bubba-bubbing along. Red, red robin come bob, bob, bobbing along, along. There'll be no more sobbing when he starts robbing his old sweet song. Oh, wake up, wake up, you sleepyhead. Get up, get up, get out of bed. Cheer up, cheer up, the sun is red. Live, love, laugh and be happy. What if I've been blue? Now I'm walking through fields of flowers. Rain may glisten, but still I listen for hours and hours. I'm just a kid again, doing what I did again, singing a song. When the red, red robin starts bobbing along. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, and you still the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? Our participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and time supply. See McDonald's.com. 
And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.